Hello, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to episode 97 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hypnosis friends and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again, in my own highly biased opinion, I think I have a wonderful show lined up for you today. In a short while, I'll be sharing with you this week's interview with my guest, Alexia Elliott. Then we'll have this week's Hypnosis in the News stories examining the media where hypnosis has featured. I'm going to offer up some personal subjective commentary on the way that hypnosis gets portrayed in the media and also comment upon some of the content of those media stories. We then return with our professional discussion with my guest, Alexia Elliott. We'll be talking about shamanism this week and how that fits in with her own approach to therapy and hypnotherapy. We'll round things off with this week's hypnosis factoid before I bid you farewell for another week. Um, If you watch my videos or subscribe to my YouTube channel, you'll see my latest video sees me wearing a hypnosis geek t-shirt. I'm wearing one such Hypnosis Geek t-shirt right now, uh, but I cannot show you because this is an audio podcast. If you're interested, I've put a link uh, to the Hypnosis Geek t-shirts over at this page of the Hypnosis Geek website and uh, in the episode notes on iTunes. Um, I only actually recently realised that the show notes that I put on the Hypnosis Weekly website are also available on iTunes and several other podcast providers. So if you listen um, as a subscriber through any of those guys, um, you'll have access to the notes and the links there without having to visit the podcast website. Um, But that's rather a mouthful to get across every single week. Uh, So I'll not be mentioning it in those terms every single week. As I say at the beginning of every Hypnosis Weekly episode, this podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as most of our guests and at times have major differences in approach and leaning. Um, All are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub and all of whom, following their time here on Hypnosis, weekly I have a great deal of respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. Uh, All the references made in the discussions along with related links are posted at each episode on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. You can add your thoughts, comments, make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. If you enjoy this podcast, please do go give us a favourable rating and even a review at iTunes. Um, I'll be a BFF if you do. It takes a couple of seconds, a couple of clicks to give us a favourable rating and it does us a lot of favours. So, first of all, today is this week's interview with my guest, Alexia Elliott. Um, when I was getting the podcast um, back up and running after our break, um, um, and I was uh, and I was looking at guests uh, last summer and and contacting potential people, um, Alexia was someone that I wanted to get in touch with. I'd seen a few people sharing her status updates online, and I'd seen her feature elsewhere, and and a couple of people had recommended her as a great potential guest, and and all of this despite her keeping a fairly low profile um, um, over and beyond her her one to one client work. Um, I discovered upon talking to her that we'd actually crossed paths a few times but not really made a connection and it struck me as a bit of a shame because I really like Alexia. I could speak to her for hours. She has um, what I consider to be a compelling and fascinating story to tell Um, and so let's get on with that shall we? For now get comfy my friends, turn up the volume, sip on your tea. Enjoy this week's interview. So, as I've just been discussing, I'm delighted to welcome the one and only Alexia Elliott to the show. Alexia, welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Hello, thank you, Adam, for inviting um, me. So, let, let, let's learn a bit about you. Let's 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 get let's get a little bit of an understanding as to who you are. Tell us, tell us, you know, how did you get into this field? Tell us about your background and how you've arrived at uh, at where you are now. Okay. Um, well, it's a good question, and it's, it was a bit of a, a strange journey, and I guess it de- depends where I start from. Um, I mean, if I was to start in more of a 
a traditional, uh, with a more traditional explanation, then I would say that it it started with me studying um, psychology, and um, actually I needed to complete some units to um, to finish off the course. So I did an OU course in information technology. It was so boring. <laughs> and, and there was the there was this Irish hypnotist on the course that uh, really irritated me because he kept telling me all this other stuff, and it was like. I was about 24, no, about 26, I think, at the time, maybe 27. And he was irritating me. He was talking about hypnosis, and it was completely destroying my 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 worldview that was um, heavily influenced by psychology at the time. And um, after about four, I, I actually didn't complete that course because it was so boring. Um, and about four weeks after meeting that gentleman, who I, I don't know his name, um, I signed up to do a hypnosis course, and um, and after the probably about the second month, I just thought that I'd found the the holy grail and was just telling everybody about this hypnosis stuff, and mm -hmm. I started to you know kind of just introduce what I was learning with um, with people, um, so I could just experiment. And so by the time I'd finished my my ten month training course, I'd pretty much set up a um, quite a busy clinic for myself, but. So that's that was kind of how um, hypnosis found me, yeah. and um, I'm very appreciative of that man for irritating me that day. And um, I'm sure <laughs> the monkey hypnotised me as well and did a fine job. Um, but my 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 be prior to that, uh, life was life was quite bleak for me. I left home at 15 and was um, involved in a really violent relationship, and I'm quite lucky to be alive, I suppose. And during that time, I spent um, long periods of time kind of quite locked up and not experiencing socialization. Um, and for quite and during that time, I was uh, in, um, I guess, some degree of poverty. I was living on a sponge, not a bath sponge. I'm, I'm larger <laughs> than Alina. Um, but so in a, in a kind of in a very dark way, I learned I learned a lot about myself at that point. And yeah. um, and after about, I don't know, uh, a good 10 years of that, um, I finally did get out with the help of um, the, the police. And um, I, I left that with a drug addiction. I was addicted to crack cocaine and uh, some broken bones, but, um, and two beautiful daughters. And that was the start of a new a, a kind of, I knew I needed to kind of, to do something with different with my life, and um, I guess that um, that experience it kind of naturally led me to well, I thought naturally led me to um, studying philosophy and psychology. In the midst of all of that madness, at nineteen, my parents thought because I was actually I had a uh, an episode of psychosis as well. I had the Illuminati chasing after me. My mum and dad thought it was a good idea to take me to um, Africa to see a shaman. Um, and um, so that was my first introduction to um, to shamanism. And although it, you know, it didn't kind of heal, me, it touched me really deeply. And um, I think that in a in a strange way, it did give me a sense of hope. Yeah. Um, and so when I started to kind of sort my head out, so to speak, it was the the shape the, the kind of the shamanism. Um, it, that started to kind of come back into my thinking, and particularly when I started to study hypnosis, shamanism and hypnosis just seemed to blend really beautifully together. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's how I got to where I am, really. And as a result of that, I've, I've kind of hung around in the Amazon jungle and, um, you know, kind of hung out with some shamans there and uh, and back to Africa to do the same. And... Um, and in the the Andean mountains, which is so, it's been yeah, it's, wow, it's been quite an adventure. Wow, yeah, I, I think you're you're you are my first guest on the show to ever have been sort of irritated into hypnosis, and then yeah. and then kind of exposed to to shamanism firsthand by being whisked off to Africa. Yes. Um, 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 and and you know what a what a colourful and eventful and you know um. Um, um, a story that that you have there with 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 your background um um really really interesting and um I, I, we're going to explore explore some of the themes that you've mentioned already later on um um just just for our interview's sake um tell tell me a little bit about where you're at with hypnosis 
Um, that is, you know, you, how, do you, how do you explain it? How do you define it? Um, do, do, you, do you have a definition? Or, or how do you explain it to people when, when, when somebody asks you about it or a client asks you about it or you're cornered uh, in the kitchen at, at a party and someone just wants to, to, to pick your brains about it? Where, where are you at as far as hypnosis is concerned? First, every time I'm asked that, the first thing I want to do is groan. <laughs> Because there's so many different ways. It really does depend on the on the perspective that you're looking at at the definition. But yeah. my, I mean, I'm just, I just, I'm just in love with hypnosis, and I have been for for many years now. I think I've been doing it for about 15 years now. I've lost count. Um, I'm not very good with numbers, but um, I, the way I do, I think the my my overall definition, my personal definition definition is is I see hypnosis as a, a creative medium um, it's a little bit like dreaming that just leads you into I'm oh, in a wonderment and that that place of magic where we can rearrange stuff and you know rearrange those stories and have a look at these narratives that we're operating and if we change them it's a little bit like you know when we were younger we used to go to the cinemas and there was that man in the back of the room with the that had the projector I see yeah. hypnosis as a, a means to be able to to change the projector I generally don't say that um, that definition to clients it's if I'm sat with a client, so I, I'm going to make a snap judgment which definition I will give them that will ease them and soothe them and, and resonate with them. Um, so for somebody that might be more scientific, I'll talk about it as a, a process of, you know, being able to reprogram. Um, whereas if somebody's into, you know, kind of spirituality, I might say it's a little bit like um, meditation, but cooler. Um. <laughs> yeah. So so, 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 you also have so, so you, you kind of have uh, um, um, a sort of semi-fixed notion of of, of what, what you consider it to be, but then you kind of frame it and tweak how you present it dependent upon the client, and you be a bit more client-centered as far as that's concerned. Yeah, yeah. But you see, but the other thing is, is I, I truly believe that clients come to see me hypnotized and that my job is, is de-hypnotizing people. So then I, you know, I kind of contradict myself with, with that belief at the same time. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. So, so t tell me, like, how, how has that been influenced? You know, what, what, what are, what are some of your, or who rather, are some of your major influences in this field? Are there some, some teachers that have been uh, most influential upon you um, or perhaps even some of the books and authors that have taught you the most um, and that have been important in kind of sculpting and creating where you're at mm, yeah I think um, in terms of hypnosis in my early days of course and it's you know it's it's I'm going to say that um, you know I was very impressed with um, with Ericsson I like the the creativity and the poet poetics of how he he worked with um, clients, but I also really like Gillingham. But I didn't enjoy reading his books. I found them quite dry and boring. So I wanted to read him, and I really liked him, but uh, I struggled with him a little bit. And Robert Anton Wilson, um, really, really. Um, We're getting back onto Illuminati again now. I know, I know. They don't leave me alone. Those those. <laughs> The critters they are um but i really liked the way that he kind of talked about the kind of the mind and it kind of made sense to me from a hypnosis perspective but yeah. again you know reading um, robert anton's books you can only do in short blasts before your um your head feels like it's going to explode so the, the book uh, the book that i really loved in my early days was monsters and magic sticks i found it really yeah. simple and really beautiful and it yeah. made a huge amount of sense to me and i keep saying well, i must read that book again because actually i have no idea what it's about now but it's a book that you know when i think about my earliest i'm like yeah that's the book and if i was sat with somebody that was newly qualified i'd probably be recommending that book yeah 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 i think um i've had quite a few quite a few guests that have made reference to that and i think quite a, quite a few of them do quite a few people really re really are into it um, mm -hmm. um um and um yeah yeah and it's really interesting to hear about that um um, um and and you know with with regards to that um i'm um, um, are there people that uh, you know, teachers, for example, that that you felt have have had have had more of an impact upon you than others? Mm. Well, 
I think that, yeah, it's a good question and one that I'm probably not great at asking because I feel like I live on the outskirts of the community of um, hypnosis. So, uh, you know, I kind of went off and did my my core trainings and and then from them became really quite independent of the community. and so it's I can't really say oh, there's anybody out there at the moment that you know that I've kind of gone and independently trained where I'd say, Yeah, I'd put this person on a pedestal or this person, you know, really kind of I've had some some good teachings, but equally I could um I think there was lots of gaps in and and in what they taught me as well. Yes, yes. And so and so from then I've not really kind of found anybody that I've found oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're the one. Um, yeah, sure. I subscribe to that, and I tend to um, have danced around a little bit, really, and kind of just kind of been putting my, dipping my toes into all sorts of different, um, looking at other different teachers. I, I think that the the person that impressed me the most wasn't a hypnosis teacher; it was my first shamanic teacher, um, who was a guy. He, he, unfortunately, he died last year. The um, the late Ross Heaven, and. And he had a very um, kind of hardcore Zen-like approach to um, to teaching. And really, what he encouraged me was to really engage with the unseen world and to interpret that for myself. And his greatest teaching was think think for yourself and don't be seduced by power. And yeah. so I really loved him for that. And then I think it kind of, but it it left me um, because of that. I think it left me dubious of actually kind of really getting caught out by by anybody that's claiming that they've got the answers or this is the approach Um, but having said that you know there's some wonderful people in the community you know there's um bob burns it's uh he can't not be mentioned he's uh he's he's got a, a lovely way of kind of educating people over the internet and a real honesty and generosity about that and i'd really admire bob for that um I don't follow many people on the internet, but uh, I always do enjoy reading what Bob's up to. Um, but but I like the fact I like the fact that that, that a lot of a lot of what's informing your work also comes from from other sources and other areas and other other fields of of, of interest and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, and and I mean over these years, these years that you've been working and exploring and and so on. Um, just tell me what what's been one of the most impressive applications of hypnosis that you that you've directly witnessed. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, and again, it's this question is brilliant, but it sends my head into a bit of a whirly gig because I guess it's a question that part of it appeases my the, the, my the the hypnotist um, ego within me. I'm going, oh yeah, let me tell you some of my greatest stories. Um, it, but it also it's by doing that you can kind of dismiss those everyday miracles that we're seeing that become normalized that are so impressive to the client but like yeah listen i've seen about 16 people this week and i've all i've helped them all get over this anxiety it's no big deal but it is to them and it really is fantastic when somebody keeps deceiving they've been suffering with a phobia for 25 years that's had a major impact on their life and and we've shifted that in half an hour that still really impresses me. Yeah. But, you know, it's uh, some spooky things that on two occasions I had uh, two really spooky experiences when I've been working with clients and I think they've got some some strange conflicts going on, some quite deep-rooted problems. And in trance, suddenly, you know, this kind of really strange voice came, would st- appeared. And their whole kind of physiology started to, well, the way that they looked at me changed. And um, they started becoming really quite threatening to me. And it happened to me on two occasions, two females. And at that point, I really didn't kind of buy into this idea of multiple personality disorders. Um, but on these occasions, when these two parts appeared, obviously independently, not at the same time, um, that was really really um it really fascinated me mm. and unfortunately you know i was able to work with it and not be intimidated by the threats of this part um but that was a really really strange experience and even and, and beautifully that the hypnosis created a space for that that part or whatever it was that emerged and that we were able to work with it and to come to a conclusion 
and and the people's lives changed as a result of it. And both people, you know, these were both women that had got PhDs in science and were actually at the end of it came out to it and went, what the hell just happened? Who was that? <laughs> um, so we were both a little bit bewildered at the end yeah, of it. Yeah, I bet, I bet. Um, but the the other thing that I, I was that I think about with this is that you know it's kind of where where did the definitions with hypnosis lie here? Because um, years ago um, I worked in mental health um, on one of the psychiatric wards. Uh, I used to go there for respite from um, from my mad life. It was that was my safe house. And um, well, I was I remember being on this ward and this guy. Um, we had to stay with him for twenty four hours a day. It's um, because he'd been um, he'd had an affair, and he somebody in a position of power had said to him. Um, you know, you, if you if you do that, it's an eye for an eye in the eye in the eye. You know, in, the, in according to God, and so he'd been in um, he'd been um, brought into hospital, sectioned, mm. uh, because he'd actually been caught trying to gouge his eye out with a um, with a coat hanger, and continued oh. to do so. That's why we had to stay with him for you know constantly to stop this guy doing it, and yeah. so. You know, that to me, that's an incredible kind of form of hypnosis that somebody in a position of power had said to this guy in a moment of vulnerability, you've done wrong. The only way that you can resolve this is to remove, well, his interpretation was you need to remove your eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when um, you think about it like that, you're like, wow, hypnosis is incredible. Yeah. That somebody yeah. went to that level to remove their eye. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is which is which is crazy, um, yeah. um, and uh, yeah, I, you know, I think I think people in 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 influential positions uh, ought to be very careful about the things they say, um, um, and and one of the things that you said right at the top end of that that answer there was something that I'm really fond of, and that is that that as as therapists or as professionals that that, that use hypnosis in any way. Um, um, I think, yeah, we, we, we do sometimes become a little bit blasé about lots of what we are doing. And um, we, we, we do normalise uh, some, some of the real successes that are, yeah. that are happening on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, um, so, yeah, you know, I, I, I think it's lovely to talk about and, and just remember and recall, uh, you know, that what we're doing day by day in and of itself is, is an incredibly impressive application of hypnosis. Absolutely. Um, um, so tell me, tell me a little bit. If we could, if we could turn back time a little bit. If you could go back to when you started out as a, as a hypnotherapist or, or, or a professional um, within these within these fields, you know, kind of mm. knowing what you know now, is there anything you'd do differently? And if so, what? Um, and is there any any advice that the person you are today would give that younger you, um, and that perhaps you'd consider extending that to to our listeners in any shape or form? Mm. Well, I appreciate we're speaking hypothetically here. So, um, if, I mean, if it was in a literal sense, I don't know if I went back to the younger you, younger me, um, she'd probably tell me to clear off and stop being a power thief. But uh, if we're speaking hypothetically, I think that I'd um, I'd recommend to that younger me to to question everything that she's being taught, and you know, to be aware of those those men or those ladies that uh, you know have got lots of accolades and are great at blowing smoke out the back of the uh, out the backsides that um, are claiming this is the answer and this is the holy grail and um, you know follow me blindly like all of their disciples. I'd say keep away from those and don't join the club. Um, fortunately, I never did this because I'm quite naturally rebellious, but I do know that it happens and it, that concerns me for, you know, um, new people that come into the world of hypnosis. But i tell you what I do wish that I knew. Mm. It would be to know about, to have understood the, the depth and the complexity of the emotion of shame because I was completely ignorant to that when I first got into hypnosis, and it's, I, I, I rarely see any trainings covering this in depth as a subject, and its relationship with denial, and um, and how, um, how, um, how elusive it is. Mm. Um, so I wish I'd knew about the power of, um, the power of that emotion in my early days, because I think I probably let a few people down. 
um, that I worked with, um, with not knowing about this this little critter of an emotion. Um, but other than that, I you know I think it's things have kind of worked out quite well. Everything's been part of the the process, and the the learning yes. has been an enjoyable involvement for me. So yeah, yeah. Um, it's all contributed. Yeah, yeah. So I can't change anything. I'm a big fan of kind of you know. Um, making making magic out of your mistakes yeah yeah absolutely um it's one of the things you wrote to me uh when we were when we were corresponding that that, that i really like that we're going to speak about later on um I'm, I'm speaking of which you know I'm, I'm, we are going to speak to you later on and we are going to speak um about a range of subjects and topics to really get a get a feel for and 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 look to understand the experience of of, of what it's like to come and work with you and and this 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 really diverse range of 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 influences that you have and 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 approaches that you have um, um in the meantime where, where can people go to learn more about you your work and so on my website is alexiaelliot.co.uk alexiaelliot.co.uk there will be a link uh, um, to Alexia's website over at this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. Uh, um, if you if you need that, you need reminding of that, go there, go have a look. And um, we will be back with Alexia Elliott in just a few minutes' time. Stay tuned. I really enjoyed that. Uh, more from Alexia in a short while. Uh, before that, we're going to have a look at our hypnosis in the news stories following on from last week's celebrity studded media snippets. We've got a little bit more of the same this week. Yes, indeed. Um, um, first up then um, um, is the story that Liam Payne has quitted smoking um, through hypnosis. Uh, Liam Payne quit smoking through hypnosis is the, the, the title of this article. The, the One Direction pop group singer. Um, um, do, we, do, we, do we call them pop groups still? Um, uh, I kind of don't feel it's accurate to call him a band member. And it, anyway, the, the One Direction pop group singer um, had made a vow to give up the bad habit uh, for his 15-month-old son, Bear, uh, who he has with ex-girlfriend Cheryl. Um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what surname she goes by these days. I, I still think of her as Cheryl Cole uh, from when she was married to footballer Ashley Cole. Um, um, and then she had a, 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 a sort of double-barreled surname um, from, from, from her other husband. Um, um, although, you know, she was known as Cheryl Cool, uh, if we took into account her, her accent. Um, anyway, uh, Liam had found it difficult to stop as uh, when he got stressed out, uh, he reached for tobacco as something to lean on. Uh, apparently, uh, according to, to this particular article. However, after working with hypnotist to the stars, uh, Max Kirsten, who's helped the likes of Adele and Ewan McGregor also kick the habit, uh, Liam was able to, and I'm quoting the article, Liam was able to tap into his subconscious mind to alter his view of cigarettes to allow him to become smoke-free. Smoke now, I'm not a big fan of explaining the mind this way. And if you're a regular listener, I've tackled that discussion in previous episodes. However, I've put a link to a detailed video of mine whereby I talk through why I believe we should probably stop explaining the mind in terms of a conscious and an unconscious in the hypnotherapy field. Um, I tend to think it's, it's flawed. It limits us greatly. Anyway, um, a source told the Sun newspaper's bizarre column, and I'll quote them, Ever since becoming a new dad, Liam has been determined to stop smoking. He's tried countless times to kick the habit himself and failed, so decided to get professional help this summer. He's gained a lot from Max, who has helped Liam tap into his subconscious mind to change his views on smoking. Liam's loving his new life smoke-free. Uh, it really seems as though he's managed to give it up for good this time. That's how the, the quote goes. So um, um, it's a great result for the field of hypnotherapy. And, uh, and, and we've got ourselves some favourable PR in mainstream media about this success. Um, though there is part of me questioning whether or not this was actually anything to do with hypnosis. Because the article goes on to say, and I will quote, Last summer, the One Direction star's mum told him she wasn't happy 
about him smoking again. Um, um, his mum told him she was not happy about smoke, him smoking again. So there you have it. I reckon it was down to his mum, really. I mean, he's only a youngster, isn't he? His mum his mum still sorts him out. Um, um, anyway, our second story today is that Tawi's Yasmin Ukelu um, is undergoing hypnotherapy as she takes a break from the reality show. Um, um, she's undergoing hypnotherapy. So um, um, Yasmin Okelu, uh, she's 24 years old, and she's taken a break from the ITVB reality show, The Only Way is Essex. Uh, for those of you outside of the UK, uh, that's what TOWI stands for, The Only Way is Essex. Um, um, and following her and James Locke's um, explosive rows with Amber Turner and Dan Edgar, whoever they are, um, 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 she, 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 she's been talking about being sidelined and excluded from things. And um, I'm a source exclusively told OK Magazine online that, um, 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 that, that James Locke's girlfriend is using hypnotism to help deal with her issues in one-to-one sessions um, um, for a couple of weeks. Um, and, um, and I'll quote them. The brunette beauty is being treated by Robert Hissey, who also treated the likes of Yaz's Towie co-stars, Gemma Collins, Sam Fayers and Amy Childs. A source close to Robert told OK Online, Rob is the best in the business and everybody knows it. He's treated some big names, all of which have said that Rob cured them of their anxieties, depression and even addictions. Stephanie Davis recently went on a boot camp and came back a new woman. Paul Gascoigne was hypnotised by Rob and couldn't wait to get back for another session. There ends the quote. Now, I appreciate anybody who's doing great work, um, um, as Rob clearly is, with the field of hypnotherapy, um, 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 working with the stars. um, But but within that statement, um, all of which said Rob cured them. Um, that's that's the quote. All of which said Rob cured them. Um, and that's probably going to raise a couple of eyebrows when Paul Gascoigne got mentioned, as he recently found himself being featured in the Bournemouth Echo, staggering around a supermarket car park trying to get members of the public to buy him more alcohol, and he was refused by the shop itself, um, which is incredibly sad. But nonetheless. Anyway, the article goes on and states, I'll quote them again, Robert uses unconscious mind therapy to cure patients. It's a form of hypnotism. And since Yasmin is having one-to-one sessions with Rob, this is possibly how she is being treated too. Um, so I, I just wanted to say it's probably a bit a, a bit dangerous, probably not that pa- uh, uh, professional or ethical to use the word cure. Uh, I think we just have to be a little bit careful with regard to that, curing patients. Um, um, anyway, it, it goes on to say, Uh, The article goes on to say this. Hypnotism may seem like a quirky way of treating people, but with celebrities lining up to have it, it's clearly the latest new fad that really works. (sighs) Ah. Yes, indeed. It's the latest new fad. Okay, online. It's the latest new fad, having only been popular since the mid to late 1800s in its current modern format. Such a fad. Honestly, okay, online. Um, um, It's no fad. The real fad here is you lazy journalists only just catching up with it because a bunch of reality TV stars have been using it. Anyway, there are links to these stories over at this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. Um, Next up then, we have this week's professional discussion. Um, And I welcome back Alexia Elliott. Um, You know, a lot of people tend to think that because of my my, my professional stance within the hypnosis education field, that I'm pretty black and white regarding anything outside of those those kind of confines. Um, um, So, you know, I think typically people get a little bit surprised to, to, to find out that I lived, I lived on a kibbutz when I was younger. Um, I spent a lot of time on, on Dharma retreats as a younger man. I spent some time with um, um, the people of the Chippewa Cree Nation, and in particular a metis of the nomadic shamanic tribes in Native American Canada, whereby I learned a lot about shamanism from an experiential point of view. Um, I spent my fair t- amount of time in sweat lodges over, o- over those years and exploring some of what that has to offer, including smoking um, quite a lot of salvio divinorum, I hasten to add, And my personal interest has remained, um, although my professional work may not reflect that. Therefore, you know, I I got I got especially excited when this became one of the things that we'd agree to talk about in today's discussion segment of the show um, with with Alexia. Anyway, here it is. Here is this week's professional discussion with Alexia Elliott. Enjoy. (music) 
So I'm back now, joined once again this week's guest, Alexia Elliott. And and during during our time corresponding, I'm, I'm funnily enough off air. I've been talking about um, the fact that that, that that I wanted to to, to ask Alexia to, to come onto the show, um, um, and 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 that I asked somebody to introduce me to her. In fact. And when I when I was speaking to her via written correspondence just recently, actually, and, and looking about what what this kind of subject matter was going to be for this, I got this for the second part of the show. I got this wonderful selection of just just lovely things and and things that really put a major smile on my face. Um, the way in which Alexia communicated about them, and and so. I kind of proposed to her and I said, well, look, how about I do my best to incorporate as many of these different things and ask you as, uh, uh, about as many of these different things within the kind of time frame that we typically have for the show. And, and, and we, get, we look to get an idea of the kind of experience that people have when they come and, when they come and see you. And we get a kind of examine, to examine a little bit, you know, to have a look, look at some corners of, of, of what you actually do and what your approach is. Um, um, welcome back, Alexia. Um, so, so, so first of all, I mean, you mentioned it in our interview. You spoke about um, your work with shamanism in the interview that you, you kind of been exposed to it quite young, you know, and you've been exposed to it in Africa, you know, really, um, I'm, 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 you know, wh 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 where, where it thrives. And um, um, just tell, tell me a little bit, and for people that, that, aren't, that are unfamiliar, perhaps you could tell us a little bit of, of what that is, what that actually is, and, and tangibly how it, how it kind of manifests itself with regards to, to what you do with, with clients and people that come to see you one-to-one. -one. Tell us a little bit about the shamanism influence and, and the approach and, and how you do it. Okay. I think, I mean, lots of people, well, I know lots of people that kind of work as shamans and they you know um often quite typically wear um, multicolored colored clothes and um and smell of patchouli i'm not one of those <laughs> and i'm not mocking them these are great guys as well and you know kind of serve the public well with what they're doing um i you know i just i wear jeans and converse i'm one of those kind of shamanic practitioners but and there aren't any i don't do any kind of smoking of rooms and kind of wearing feathered headdresses um <laughs> It's more the principles of hypnosis that I that I blend the principles of shamanism that I blend with the other stuff that I do, mm. um, and it's the the principles of shamanism that I really like because what I found that when I first trained in hypnosis was I was like wow this is fantastic you know it's like I think I can make the whole world happy with this and then I realized that there was a bit of a problem that the way that I'd been taught and it might just be the way that I've been taught I don't know um, but it seemed to be that the setup was that um, hypnosis was it seemed far more advanced than a lot of other therapies that it was including the mind and the body and you know these two work together and let's influence them but what wasn't being incorporated was the soul or the spirit or or people's religious beliefs now mm. i live in leicester and it's a it's a multicultural kind of city and so i've got lots of clients that have got a whole heap of different you know religious beliefs and I haven't got the time or the inclination to be able to understand all of those in order to offer something inclusive of mind, body, spirit. And so I guess, the, and then that's how I stumbled across shamanism. And I found that shamanism just gave me these kind of bare bones in which I can incorporate with hypnosis, but still honor people's spiritual or religious beliefs without having to and using quite vague language to do that so it would work but not be offensive at the same time yeah and so, so, so you'd, 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 you'd enable people to kind of project their own their own faith or their own spirituality onto what it was that you were doing yes and i could i could kind of be playful with with the, what I know from shamanism in terms of shamanic healing. Um, I could I could adapt that to fit with them. So it's almost like our world views could would start to kind of blend, and then we could kind of walk together through that towards a, a solution, a resolution, or whatever it is that they're wanting to achieve. Mm. Mm. So you know, um, 
Yeah, so it, it it works really well, and a lot of the time I can be working shamanically with somebody, and they're they're they're, they're not aware of it. Um, yeah, 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 and and you know, it, in with that, so so so, with regards to the, the the shamanism, then you know, it's it's not a case of look, we're gonna go, we're, we're gonna we're gonna burn some sage, we're gonna go out into the garden where I've got where I've got a sweat lodge ready, and we're gonna do hypnosis inside of it. Um, um, while I'm while I'm doing my other things, you know, excuse my me stereotyping and caricaturing mm. in an immature fashion, um, um, but it's but it's not that then. It's not kind of bringing in lots of lots of lots of shamanism into the process, but more a kind of a mindset and an attitude. Yeah, yeah, and I think that you know, um, I guess. I like I like things that are I like simplicity and I like things at quite a basic level. That might just be to do with the, the limitations of my brain, but uh, but it seems to work really well. And um, and I think that you know shamanism is such an ancient belief system, but it doesn't mean that I have to kind of continue to do things in an ancient way because. You know, the kind of people that are coming to see me now may never have heard of a sweat lodge or think it's really weird if I start, you know, kind of blowing sage on the top of their head and singing some <laughs> weird chants. Yeah. And just, that's going to freak them out. Like, oh, I thought this one was going to help me. Um, so what? I, but the way that, I've, that, that I work with shamanism is, is that I kind of look at it and go, well, how can I make that work for society and the people that I'm facing now and kind of modify that language or that approach that actually we can start to you know, maneuver and shift things? One of the things I really like about shamanism is the concept of kind of standing in your own power. And, and I think that essentially the majority of the people that come to see to me come and see me as clients are they're not standing in their own power and talking about power and energy um i can people start to really understand this concept and so they start to buy into the fact that yeah actually you know i am giving my my power away um by by people pleasing and then we can go well well, what, how is it? What what is it about? Why do you need to do that? It, you know, and you 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 tend to find to, to be able to kind of get to the link of that, the early part of that, which again you could look from a shamanic perspective is is that this person may well have experienced a soul loss, which is dramatic language. But I quite like the dramatic language there. People like that too. It's it's it sounds much more fun saying that you've had a soul loss rather than oh that's a disassociation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah. You, you've now made me feel boring. <laughs> that's that's right. I, I, I'll work on my self-esteem once we've finished. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give your power away. <laughs> No. It's great you stick with that. Um, so th this idea of um, power and soul loss is, is they're probably the, the kind of the main theme of the work that I do incorporating shamanism. And what I mean by soul loss is like if I could get you to picture um, a kind of a stick man in your head and to draw a circle around that stick man that, you know, when we go through life, you know, things happen to us, maybe we get bullied. And then if you could just kind of take a bite out of the circle around the stick man, like it's an apple, a chunk of energy is gone. And from a psychology perspective, oh, well, that's a disassociation. From a shamanic perspective, this is a soul loss, and it's part of you that's just gone off and is, is now missing in the ether. And if we continue to go through life and things, we lose a parent or a parent's divorce or we get abused or some, you know, kind of get bullied or keep the bites out of that, that circle keep disappearing, and then our energy shrinks. And that's when we're not standing in our own power. And so I love the simplicity of, you know, kind of drawing a picture like that to clients and starting to map out, well, where did all your power go? And then we can use hypnosis and, and to go and find those parts and to rebuild that person up so they can be standing in their own power again. And, and alongside that, you know, it's kind of working with their belief systems and their behaviours and working in a very practical way of, I guess essentially um, creating a new operating system, um, which is I find just really great fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, um, you know, I, I really, really enjoyed listening to you speaking that and saying that. 
Um, I'm, I'm, now, I, I, you touched upon uh, um, uh, and used a, a little bit of terminology. Um, I, I'm, I'm in there. Used a couple of a couple of words that, that I really liked, and um, um, I told you off air that it's it's been a real goal of mine for this particular episode to be able to say a couple of very particular words that I first read uh, um, in an email that you sent me because you know as well as as well as the shamanism and and you know I, I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll touch upon that and we'll speak about that again. You've also um, you also incorporate into your work and into your life um, um, and and you have some some union influence and and stuff and and you said in your email to me you know i see myself as a navigator of the soul swamps there i achieved my goal i i, I did it yeah um, um you're a navigator of the soul swamps um, um i love this i love this tell me about the union um, um influence and 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 tell me about navigating the soul swamps well i think that um you know i spent a long time there myself as a um as a as a lost soul and um somebody that um you know lived on a little sponge and uh it, it smoked a lot of crack um i lived in that dark world for a long time and um it was a strange place to be but when you spent so long somewhere you get really used to it and so you know when when i finally got out of it it was like nowhere am i ever going back there at all um but it never did really leave me. I am the kind of person that, you know, is if I go for a walk, um, I work in the city, and if I go for a walk, I'd, I'd like to go around all the back streets where they're all a bit grubby and a little bit uh, a bit uh, manky. Um, so I have this fascination with the darker side of humanity. And the, the, the fascination with that is not because I like miserable things. I like looking for the beautiful things in the miserable things. I like seeing yeah. the beautiful darkness and and i think that one of the things that kind of concerns me a little bit with a lot of modern therapies or new age ideas is that it's it's all focused on you know kind of i'm a light keeper and um, think happy thoughts and everything will be great and that it angers me a little bit because i think that they're missing the point and there's you know it feels like there's a degree of kind of spiritual bypassing taking there so you know i like this idea of being a swamp like a swampland navigator and and make try you know to kind of make this sound as great fun as i possibly can to my clients because I want them to learn about this place because I think that once you understand that that darker side of yourself and once you you understand how to navigate it and once you're not afraid of it I think it enables you to be so much more in tune with yourself and so much more authentic and and fearless because you know who you are and and that in itself kind of really um enables us to embrace our vulnerabilities. Yeah. But not to be afraid of our vulnerabilities because we know who we are and we don't need to be pretending that we're not anything. And it's that's there's such a freedom with that. And so I think that, you know, there's some kind of approaches like I say the, the Tad James approach to timeline therapy. You know, you kind of whip along the timeline and you go, Yeah, I'm gonna release my anger and yeah, that's gone, that's great. But what did we really learn from that? Now, I know part of that process is, yeah, you go, what's the learnings, what's the learnings? But can you really understand a lifetime of anger um, in about, I think, you know, kind of, Todd James would say it take about 7 to 15 minutes. I, I loved that idea when I first came across it. And as I've kind of um, matured into therapy, I've realized that actually, you know, we might not be doing ourselves a favor by... Um, nipping in so quickly and actually allowing ourselves to immerse ourselves in the swamp plans it's a really rich and diverse place where we can really connect with ourselves and um come out of it so I th come out of it the other side um much stronger and far more resilient and with a real deeper sense of meaning and who we are yeah yeah I mean, you know, absolutely. You know, I, I know off air, you and I kind of, we, we, I, I was, I was, I was just boring you with some, 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 some interpretation of hero's journey, but, but the whole time you're speaking there, you know, I couldn't shake the idea of Luke Skywalker was in yeah. the swamps with Yoda when he was, when he was mastering his Jedi skills. Yeah. You know? um, 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 yeah. And, and if it's good enough for Luke Skywalker and Yoda, 
it's good enough yeah. for me as far as I'm concerned. But one of the things is, um, one of the things that, that I really love that really sings to me with, with what you were saying there um, and, and that really appeals to me is, is that, that it's okay to, to be in the swamp sometimes. And, you know, um, obviously, obviously, I, you know, I, I, I have a slightly different approach, but, but the attitude behind some of that, and that is really, really similar to some of the, the things that I value um, within my own work, which is this idea of, you know, we don't always have to have the kind of sickly sweet, um, 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 positive psychology going on, that sometimes it's okay to explore some of the darkness and that sometimes it's okay to embrace it a little bit and see what can be learned from mm. it. And sometimes yeah. it's okay to consider the worst case scenarios um, yeah. and, and, and what you learn from it and how you deal with that. Yeah. And, that and that sometimes it's okay to, you know, there's a, there's a stoic meditation that I engage in often. Um, 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 as, and and it's, it's, it, it's, it's a process whereby you, you imagine you know, real nightmare scenarios actually happening, you know, yeah. and I realise that this sounds very morbid, but, you know, if you spend some time truly imagining what it would be like mm. when your children pass away, or if your children were to die prematurely, mm. for example, yeah. or, or I lost my wife for whatever reason, I tell you what, it doesn't half make me value the, the moments that I get with them. It doesn't half make sure that, you know, I, I never miss out an opportunity to hug them and to be and to, to, to want to extract as much meaning and impact as I possibly can from every second that I have with them. Yeah. So every now and then it's OK. Like, you know, so I love this idea of of navigating through the swamps um, mm -hmm. and I love that. Um, yeah. and, and, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to quote you again because I just love this sentence that you wrote to me and you said I'm a huge fan of alchemizing misery hardship and all the gritty shit that everyone hates into brilliance um, and you know I, I, I wanted to stand up and start clapping when I read that <laughs> um, because I really enjoyed that I really enjoyed that and um um, um, and and this idea of seeing everything as a potential teacher, you said, can you just expand upon that a little bit for me? Yeah, it's you know it's, it's something like um, anger, and I like to. Um, I think anger is a really beautiful emotion, and there's lots of. I think the kind of the the current current narrative in society is don't be angry, and if anybody does it, we want to silence them and say, no, no, just forgive the people that have hurt you, um, and. And although, you know, I think I, I really do like you know, a kind and harmonious world, I think anger is a really beautiful emotion. I think if we can, if we can understand it and see it as a teacher, um, then rather it being a dark emotion, oh, hang on a minute, now it's an ally. And actually, anger is a beautiful ally. It's wonderful at setting boundaries. And and it's sometimes, it's I think it's probably one of your your, your, your best friends that will only ever speak the truth to you. I imagine anger being like an old East End gangster that's just done about 20 years in prison. <laughs> it's a complete reframe of saying that it's something naughty that I shouldn't express. Um, but, you know, I look back at my, my early years and, you know, I could think, oh, God, you know, poor me, I had such a terrible time. But I'm really grateful for it because I think that it was – it was such a wonderful education into the into the realities of life. And actually, you know, um, I'm only about five foot three, but I feel like I'm bulletproof. I don't worry about tomorrow because if everything goes tomorrow, I just know that I'll be okay. And and that's that's because I've got this gratitude of the, the darkness and this kind of this this more difficult time that I, I have found a way of being able to alchemize that into actually Look what I've been able to do with that. You know, I've been able to connect with thousands of people over the years and really make meaning into their life. And that's so beautiful. It was such a gift. And so, you know, it's um, the other day a guy came to see me that's got really um, some really dark thoughts in terms of OCD um, that were he came in and he was literally on the floor sobbing his heart. Out. It was very unusual for him to be so distressed. And um you know, your natural inclination, oh, I'm going to get rid of those OCD thoughts, nasty things, poor bloke on the floor, let me sort this out. But what we did was we actually look at, looked at the value of those. And the beautiful thing that we found at the end of it was that these thoughts 
were what they were doing was they were giving them a real kick in the balls because actually something had been kind of knocking on the door of his head going hey you need to slow down you're getting back into the old problem here slow down no no he just wouldn't listen so leading up to the day when he got crucified by the thoughts actually his unconscious or a part of him had actually been trying to get him to slow down and to stop doing some of the old behaviors that led to him you know kind of having um really uh, panic attacks because he was feeling better he ignored them and so it's almost like these really nasty vile thoughts they came in and booted him in the balls but he he actually sees now that um they they did come from a good place so something that appeared to be really grotesque and the the nature of the thoughts were we've been able to transform it and see it, it was actually it was a, like a really serious circuit breaker mm. Mm. Um, 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 you know, I, I, I love that. Um, um, you know, you, you, you said to me, you said to me, and um, you know, clients come with the enemy, the, the beastie, the problem, and that you said um, you twitch with excitement at the thought of how we can alchemize this. And mm. you know, I, again, this is something I'm desperate to say. You said, I guess I'm a hypnotizing womble recycling. <laughs> so I love this. I love this idea. And just this idea of recycling, you know, just j j just tell me about that. Yeah, it's just, you know, sometimes we, 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 we don't, you don't always want to get rid of things. One of the things that I learned when I was kind of hanging around in the jungle was about the kind of the ecosystem. It was like, well, these amazing, beautiful flowers. But I realized that, you know, something like ayahuasca, in order for ayahuasca to, to give you these incredible experiences that you needed another plant called chacruda, the two were independent. And so, you know, when you think about people, you go, well, yeah, you've got this problem and people kind of, you know, they come and they go, I want you to get rid of this anxiety. And, uh, you know, like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. There's something really beautiful about anxiety. How can we work with this? How can we, how can we upgrade it you know recycle it in some way and what you know going back to the jungle was is that if we started removing certain plants from the jungle that we know that that would have an, an impact on the the ecology system and that the the the, the 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 animals there that they were part of this this system and so i really like the idea of kind of I'm always fascinated by patterns. As a, as a child, I'd love to kind of puzzles. So I was always doing some kind of puzzle. And I think that's why I find my job so exciting because it's just like like I was as a kid, but I'm getting paid to do it. Um, so it, it, it yeah. gets super exciting. That's why I'm on the edge of my chair when somebody kind of gives me a puzzle. I'm like, yeah, great. So I, I'm always a bit concerned when people say, I want you to get rid of X. And I'm just thinking, hmm. How could this be useful? You know, OCD can be a problem if you're having to spend a couple of hours in the morning checking the door. But where could that thinking or that process become useful? And how do we modify it that actually it starts to become an asset to you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know, I, I, um, I, I really like that. I could, you know, I, I could, I could just spend an entire episode of the the podcast discussing that in in more detail you know i i really enjoyed that um, um and and you know you, you made you made some references to, to to narratives by which people um um lead you know lead within their lives and so on and and um both clients and and in the kind of a kind of broader notion and you know, you mentioned to me that you're in love with the the hero's journey and mythology as well. Um, um, how does that how does that fit into to what you do? Yeah, it's um, it's only been the 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 last couple of years I've really started to become. Uh, I do get slightly obsessed with things, so yeah, I'm slight, I am obsessed with this at the minute, and I'm in a two-year obsession, obsession with Joseph Campbell and mythology. Yeah. Uh, I've just uh, this week, I'm a bit embarrassed because every day there's about four books turning up at reception, and it's all about um, the interpretation of uh, fairy tales. I think uh, I don't know what the receptionists think I'm doing. However, yeah. um, 
<laughs> so I'm hiding them because I don't want anyone to know that I've gone so crazy on it. But I've just announced it now, haven't I? So that's screwed. Um, the, the hero's journey. I love this idea because once you kind of look at that that structure, you know, when a client comes in and it doesn't work for every client. But, you know, I tend to attract people that tend to be turn up and go, I am an absolute mess and there's just stuff everywhere. And the hero's journey is um, is a is a nice approach to kind of to utilize because you can start to see where that person is in that 12 step series. And when you can work out, ah, where, that's where you are. And you can start to kind of then kind of map out, well, what are they? What are the dragons? And, you know, who are the monsters here that we need to yeah. slay? Does that mean that, you know, they had a, a horrible dad or or the monster is their addiction or their their ego, whatever it is. There's the simplicity of that approach enables yeah. to then start to look at this person that's got this very messy life with a sense of order and it gives them they start to see meaning in why they keep having these replications in their life, these repeat patterns. So as you start to kind of talk to them about these stories and talk to them about mythology, that meaning can have a big impact. And, you know, I literally see people's eyes just kind of become, you know, really wide and like, oh, oh gosh, I'm starting to get it there. And of course, healing takes place immediately. You start to see it when people start to make sense of all of this drama and chaos that, you know, and in a day-to-day level, they're just, they're just living it. It, it makes no sense to them. But yeah. uh, so, so I found that really fascinating to incorporate into therapy. And like I say, it doesn't work for, for every client, um, but it can work wonders with some. Yeah. And of course, you know, kind of implementing that into hypnosis, you can be very playful with hypnosis with that. But equally, you can kind of, you know, then use metaphor and storytelling to shift them from wherever they are in that hero's journey place to the to the next one and kind of start to map out or to navigate the next steps and to, to play with um, slaying the dragons and the um, and becoming your own hero. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's 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 really, really beautiful. Yeah. I um um you know I could I could, I could just go on discussing this because I'm really fascinated in it um um and you you know I I know um uh, you you all know that that off air I, I I you know I, I there were some things that I was really really I, I just kind of felt like yeah, I really want to share this with Alexia um, um and I could carry on talking um, um but we're we're there we're out of time I'm sorry to say um um it's been so great having you on the show thank you for coming and and sharing so much alexia oh, well really really thank you i've um it's it's so lovely to speak to you as well and uh it's been i've really enjoyed it yeah yeah me too um ladies and gentlemen alexia elliott this week's guest I really enjoyed that. It was lovely speaking to Alexia. Um, I mean, you have to love those snippets of hers that I read out uh, during today's show. Uh, Weren't they wonderful? Um, I'm on to today's evidence-based hypnosis factoid of the week. And the fact is this. Hypnotherapy can be effective in reducing short and long-term headache activity in migraine sufferers. So this is according to a 2018 systematic review, you know, so really recent um, that, 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 that is featured in the International Journal of Clinical and Experimental Hypnosis, exploring the efficacy of hypnosis in the treatment of migraines. And it has some really encouraging results for us. You know, migraine, it's, it's a complex neurological condition that causes a wide range of symptoms, and the most common of which is a severe headache. Um, And the aim of this uh, systematic review of the literature was to determine the the efficacy of hypnosis in the treatment of such headaches um, 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 that that, that occur during migraines. After their inclusion criteria was set for this particular review, a total of eight studies were identified that examined hypnotic techniques either standalone or in combination with other non-pharmaceutical techniques such as visual imagery, relaxation, pain displacement techniques. 
Um, um, and, and, and so overall, you know, this, this review demonstrates that hypnotherapy, as well as certain relaxation techniques, were effective in reducing short and long term headache activity in migraine sufferers, um, um, which is just great news. It's a really it, it's one of those studies that, that really, really made me happy. Um, a link to that particular research paper is included on this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. Um, if you follow me on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, you can find masses of memes relating to a variety of studies that are, you know, that are typical of the kind of things that I share here as well, where hypnosis has been examined. Go uh, check that stuff out. Um, that's it for this week's 97th edition. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I've got a couple of really exciting episodes uh, on the horizon um, um, and many more exciting guests that I'm going to be welcoming to Hypnosis Weekly in coming editions. We'll be discussing, debating, celebrating and above all remaining friends. Our next edition um, is not going to be for a couple of weeks. Um, I'm, I'm off on holiday with my family next week and the following week I'm going to be at the UK Hypnosis Convention. Um, I do come and say hello if you are going to be there. Next time out, however, I welcome former world kickboxing champion and now hypnotherapist Hazel Gale to the, to the show. Uh, we're going to be talking about mind monsters and much more besides. Um, all the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted at each episode on the Hypnosis Weekly website, www.hypnosis-weekly.com. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions and questions. Uh, so do please message me or add them on the website and I'll make sure that they get addressed, answered and explained explored accordingly. Um, please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else. Uh, really help us reach the hypnosis field. My thanks again go to Alexia Elliott. My thanks to you for tuning in. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.